and welcome to another exciting episode of How to Save the World with me, Tim Bat. And Waveney Wolf. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing, Tim? Yeah, I'm great. I'm good. I've got my lovely cup of tea here. got my friend Wave beside me. Why have you got a cup of tea and not a cup of coffee? Oh, the coffee machine stopped working that for some reason. Is a but it was it was working earlier today. I've had one coffee when I first woke up. And actually maybe this is um a sign from above that I need to chill out <laughs> on the caffeine intake. Well let's let's let this episode be the judge of that. See mm-hmm. see how dull you are without coffee running through your blood. I've been trying to cut down to one at the moment anyway. A day. But I had a very big day yesterday, so I felt felt like I needed a slightly more pep justified for this morning. So are EVs what they're cranked up to be? This is the question. Isn't it? And I think it probably depends what you've cranked them up to be. I just thought that would be a good way to frame this episode because there's a lot of hype around cranked EVs. Cranked or cracked? Cranked. Isn't is it? it? Don't you crank something up? I thought it was cracked up if something is what it's cracked up to be. I oh. could have that wrong. But oh, that's I could have that my... wrong. Well, the listeners will know because it will be whatever we've ended up putting in the actual title. Send your votes in, (laughs) Instagram.com slash, what is the acronym? H-T-W-S-T, how to save the world pod. But it's the letters. need that coffee. (laughs) So have another sip of tea. I will. So, yeah, heaps of countries like UK, Sweden, France, nor the usual Norway, Netherlands, they're all phasing out combustion engine vehicles and yes. all, all getting into EVs. We've been a bit sleepy on it here. I think I might have seen a headline that Audi yesterday announced that they were phasing out all combustion engine designs. <gasps> wow, everybody's so, yeah, is, jumping on board. This is the trend. Yeah. So we're going to look at, I mean, because this is an enormous topic and it's not like your user guide to buying a particular car or whatever. We're just going to sort of start with the basics. Are EVs better than fossil cars, fossil fuel cars? Um, Because, I mean, that's the ultimate question, right? And it turns, because we've sort of talked about this off the mic slightly and it's a bit more of a complex picture than... Yeah, I mean, you've got your carbon footprint stuff, and then the kind of the the subtext there is is the the obvious benefits there um, balanced out by the some of the battery issues that we hear about. So Mm. we're going to just have a we're going to have a bit of a dig into that, Mm. Um, and then I thought we'd go personal and say, is an EV right for you? and because it's a lot of our context for for each of us, and um, there's a few. I think there's still possibly a few barriers there that possibly don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just a bit, we haven't quite, like with COVID, when we all went, got into Zoom, it's like, oh, oh, we could have done this, but yeah, we're, just, right. we're just so used to doing other stuff. Need that push. Yeah. And then we're just going to finish with, like, let's say that we do look at these issues and we go, oh, yeah, EVs really are awesome. There's still that bigger question around, does that mean that we can just drive to our heart's content guilt-free? Or, you know, it's not just even driving, it's um, you've got the scooters and the bikes and yeah. all of that stuff coming on. So I, I guess just a bit of a, we'll we'll have a think about the future and what it could look like and what we actually need. And if there's a difference there between the EV technology, um, even the projected technology um, versus... Um, other modes. Well, yeah, other situational contexts that we might need. If that doesn't make sense, then just whatever, we'll move on. <laughs> um, so let's start with the juicy stuff. Are EVs better than fossil fuel cars? So the greenhouse gas um, emissions, let's just, the bully basic here is that burning fossil fuels is bad. Got that. Got, Got it. it. Human beings are causing climate change, which is not good, mm-hmm. and that's largely by burning fossil fuels, which, you know, we don't need to get into the, the issues there, o- ocean acidification and habitat collapse, you know, lots of catastrophic things. So to save ourselves and our planet, we have to stop burning fossil fuels. This is just so basic, let's start the episode with with the absolute crux of, of what we need to keep in mind. Um, and the in New Zealand, uh, the transport sector accounts for 21% of global warming greenhouse gas emissions. So that's not nothing. That's, mm. that's significant. Um, and, the, and this is doubling. And so in the last 30 years, it's doubled. Huh. And it's the fastest growing source of emissions. Oh, wow. 
And of that, uh, what did we say, 21% of our entire greenhouse gas emissions, that's from the transport sector, almost all of that is from road vehicle emission. So um, it's it's important. Yeah. And um, it's a really big part of how we can find a better future. So I didn't realise it was increasing. I'd heard that stat before that it's a fifth of our carbon footprint, yeah. but the fact that it's going up, yeah, such faster, a faster than freaking. the other sectors, yeah. Um, so then, if we look at the electric alternative, uh, clearly you have to look at the whole life cycle, not just what's coming out of the the uh, lack of exhaust pipe. Um, ICA in 2015 did a study where they found that EVs in New Zealand produce 60% less carbon dioxide emissions across the entire life cycle of the the car versus a a petrol car. Thank you for just having that stat ready to go off the shelf. Because I've seen people like so much commentary and debate and digging through. That's so good that someone's just gone through and measured it and can tell us this. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's, I mean, this has possibly occurred to you already, how the electricity that you're using to power your EV really matters. So, for example, in Australia, only about 20% of their electricity generation is from renewable sources. Um, and there, driving an EV is only 18% better. Wow. So in New Zealand, it's 60% better. This is because across our, a life cycle analysis. Our energy grid. Yeah, yeah. So ours, we've got a, it's about 84% of our energy generations from renewable sources. Well, so this actually makes New Zealand one of the best places in the world to drive an EV. Huh. Which is why James Shaw yes. from previous episode and, yes. and general fame. And, <laughs> and co-leader of the Greens uh, and yep. Minister of Climate Change. Um, said that uh, if you've got a spare 20K, the absolute best thing you can do if, in New Zealand is go and buy an EV. Huh. It's, that is really interesting and good to know. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I didn't I didn't realize it was that much more beneficial being in New Zealand, but that's yeah, that's huge. It's it's huge. So then the the battery thing, yes. um do the negatives outbalance those positives? Um And this is to do with how they make the batteries, right? Because and, and actually we did an episode on this a while ago about all the extraction for these minerals that go into the chemicals oh, that create. Did we? Yeah, That's yeah. why it seemed familiar. <laughs> well, I did the research on that one, so I know it's easy to kind of. Oh, that explains that too, because it's like I'm sure I had a good article on this. I, can, I couldn't find it. I didn't know what was going on. Um, so they're, they're lithium-ion batteries, and they're used not just in EVs, but in computers and smartphones, just sort of all those device type things, all the things we love. Um, so lithium is king, and like there's a lot of development around the other things that you can put with it, but it really comes down to lithium, and it is an abundant mineral, and uh, the places that you can mine it are or a few countries, but 85% of all global production is from Chile, Australia, and China. So it's a, and, and it's, there's a bit of a triangle in South America with a few countries involved. Um, lithium can be sourced from a rock. Um, <clears throat> and if that's the case, it's going to be a mine. And that Australia is the place where they do that. And um, it, it can also be in a liquid form. Uh, and it comes from these underground brine reservoirs. Um, and it's Chile and the other South American countries that are into that. Um, and there's really different, pretty horrendous environmental impacts um, from those profiles, particularly the hard rock mining, has a really high, really high CO2 emissions. Uh, and, of course, mining is, you know, not great for land use and mm. leaves a, a bit of devastation in its wake. Mm. But um, the to to make an EV, I think because of these uh, components that go into batteries, it does actually take more energy and it has a bit more a bit more environmental harm. Um, and so the that versus a tr- traditional yeah, combustion, combustion engine, engine car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the the hard rock mining. Uh, basically, one of, one of the reasons why that CO two emission level is so high is because you've got to heat it in a kiln to temperatures that are super high, like almost a thousand degrees, three times. Whoa. And they, you know, they do something to it, heat it up, and you know, 
it's uh, so it's like super energy intensive. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that um, that hard rock lithium is better for long range EVs. Uh, and so the market share. Oh, so the lithium isn't identical. Is it's actually kind yeah. Of no, they've got different, different properties. Right. Yeah. Um, there's actually a lot more brine in the world. Most of the world's lithium is like a, almost ninety percent of it is from the brine. But that market share of the hard rock is growing just because it's better. Right. Um, and so with the um, South American brine salt mining, it's um. It takes copious amounts of water. It's like way better environmentally. Um, basically, they just sort of suck it out and allow it to evaporate for anything between eight months and three years. It just evaporates. And um, But the thing is, it can take about 2,000 litres of water per kilogram of lithium. That's a lot. And these are in drought-prone countries. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it kind of comes down to whenever we're just so many of us, whenever we do anything on mass, there'll be an issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm not meaning to be negative. It's just sort of the reality of being human in this particular century. Um, I spoke with an investor who um, was really excited about investing in a company. Um, I spoke to him originally because a mate put me onto him. He's like, just the most enthusiastic EV guy. It turns out he invests in various things and he's super excited about a company that's now able to extract the lithium brine cleanly and then putting it back into the aquifer, which is a huge, huge improvement. Wow. So I guess just a nod to... Um, progress. Yeah, a nod to progress. Process. That's right. We never stuck. And then the other big one is cobalt and... Um, I think this is possibly something we've spoken about before. Yeah. I bet you brought it up with the phone yeah. episode, yeah. In 2016, Amnesty International broke the news that um, cobalt was a, which is a, um, a central for the, the battery, um, was mostly from thousands of unregulated mines in the DRC, the Congo, which are teeming with children working 12-hour days. Like, there is nothing good mm. about it, Um and there's not really a lot of cobalt in other places of the world. Um, there was a bit of a flurry of investigative journalism at the time, and um, I've included some or a, a good little short piece from Sky, TV, Sky News in the show notes. Um, so three-quarters of the world's cobalt still comes from the DRC. And um, you think, well, maybe that was then, but... The Guardian has just revisited that situation in 2020, in January 2020. That date's actually important, um, turns out, which we'll see in a second. Um, and there are some improvements, but mostly in the pipeline improvements, um, which has come out of consumer pressure, basically. But it's essentially the same situation. Not, not much yeah, has changed. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that has changed is that um, in 2019, there was probably about 70 thousand tons mined and that that demand is accelerating and the global forecast is um sort of in the next 10 years is for that to be from 70 to 300 um thousand tons so yeah these are environments and people that are that are really under strain and um this is the this is the sad side of of uh all the fun that can be had zooming yeah. around on an electric something. Um, but the, the nod here is to good old Elon and Tesla, um, and there's this excitement around when they do their battery day, which was in September 2020 last year, so after these announcements uh, saying that you know this global demand would be accelerating. They've basically... Uh, announced that they're going to be moving to a zero cobalt battery using lithium iron phosphate instead. Um, good. Yeah, really, yes, I, <laughs> I think always get so. tentatively excited when you say these bits of good news because there's usually a but at the end of it. I'm sorry. It sounds good, though. It does. I mean, it does sound good, Tim. I'm sure some of our listeners are, you know, more informed. But um, but but on the on the whole... There's two things going on, I think, that are, that if we just step back from these little details, one is that sort of there's this downside to 
whatever we're doing, like I said, in terms of us doing it en masse. Mm. And then because there's always the – unless we're going to be doing something regeneratively, um, which we typically – we're a long <laughs> way away from that. But then the, 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 the coupled story to, to that is the, the, the technology is there and it's improving and it's a pretty powerful friend. Um, so, so EVs are getting cleaner and cleaner every year. I mean, it is even with the issues that we've got now, which are very important and big. It is kind of amazing to go huge problem, climate change, huge contributor, cars on the road. Mm. How do we fix that? Go to electric. What's mm. the big problem with electric? One of them, mm. cobalt mining. Mm. Okay, mm. how do we solve that? Yeah. And it's just kind yeah. of like yeah. this process of mm. ticking things mm. off and mm. developing mm. things as we go. Mm. It does mm. feel like progress, you know? Yeah, yeah, it does. And um, uh, the, the, the combustion engine is a fossil in itself, isn't it? It's like this had a good hundred years of the most exciting technology and development and it's it's pretty it's, crazy how long it's lasted in a largely like maybe refined but pretty unchanged form. Yeah, yeah, it, it's right, and it's it's um it's just stable and it's it's done its thing. Um, and whereas the EV technology isn't sort of hasn't settled into mm. to something that we can't really improve much. It's just so young and just it's going for it's it. It's probably some low-hanging fruit technologically yeah, that we'll be yeah, able to yeah, crack in the next yeah, five years. Yeah, and there's heaps of R&D and, yeah, it's an exciting place, I think. Mm. Um, then another aspect of the – actually, I have to say um, – some one of the people I spoke to was the guy um, from the New Zealand EV podcast, mm-hmm, which I definitely mm-hmm. recommend people interested in this check out if they haven't already. And that's Theo Gibson, and he's like, "Oh, my evening! Some of these questions you're asking are, you know, this is what people were asking about five years ago." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> really? I didn't know." Um, and he's one, pretty deep in the yeah, world, though. You know, yeah, this yeah. guy's living and breathing the Thanks EV world. Because I thought I'm possibly, yeah, the absolute opposite, like well, well, sort of out of that. You're world. an EV owner. We haven't even mentioned this. No, I'm a Prius owner, so that's a hybrid. Oh, true. Yeah, and I drive the dirty old Subi up today. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we won't dwell on that. Yeah, we're getting there. So. Um, the thing about the length of life with batteries, because this was originally when Nia, Nissan Leaf in 2012 first brought out their... Um, and their, they, they were the first ones, right? The Leaf? Yeah, I think so. The first as far as I'm aware of, yeah. yeah that was like yeah. commercially available for people. Yeah, exactly. Commercially available. So people thought that that battery would need replacing in five years. These aren't the cynics. These are the actual people who developed the mm-hmm. technology imagined that it would be, last about five years. Um, and so that there'd be a lot of these issues around disposal or um, mining. A lot of that actually comes down to an assumption that that's the life of the, the battery. But in like today, in 2021, those original batteries still actually have a range of 100 kilometres, which is not bad at all. Right. Um, and that's like just... Well beyond. Basically, they're degrading about three to four times slower than they originally thought they would. Wow! And those are those in early... terms of energy charge. Yes, although I think of it in terms of range, but yeah, it is. It's the same thing, isn't yeah, it? it is, yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? How far you can get with it. Totally. Um, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And then the second thing is that the new battery technology is amazing. Yeah, because I had heard that those first generation <laughs> leaf batteries that they. They did a lot of work on them between the first and second mm. gen. So those first batch that came out, the batteries weren't outstanding, but anything after that, they got dramatically better. Well, you see, that's what's cool about that little bit of info, isn't it? Is that even those first ones yeah. were way better than they thought. And the batteries that are coming out now will way outlive the car. And so they're even talking about the million-mile battery and – when you start looking at the embedded energy cost of, of a car, it's starting to look really good. Like a, a petrol car would, you know, around the 200 kilometre, 200,000 kilometre mark, um, they're starting to get pretty unreliable. Mm. And we know that commercially fleets get replaced every sort of three or four years. Um, but with this technology that we're sort of really on the verge of adopting, 
if if we are happy to change our mindset, because let's be honest, we don't need to rip out our kitchens either every sort of 10 years. Yeah. But if we're happy to, we are in that space where we can actually refurbish a car, just like you might upholster a couch, you know. You, can, you could be looking at new paint and new upholstery and just keeping this car without with hardly any moving parts going because your battery is just going and going and going. So, yeah, exciting. It's like having a push bike at that point, you know? Like it, it, it changes from being – because with a car, like you say, the traditional combustion engine car, you've got to constantly have it serviced. Mm. Maximum, you're probably going to get about 250,000 kilometres out of it before you've got to rip the engine out, if that's like mm. your best kind of most reliable Toyota or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, with this, it like it's more like a bike where I you like just give that. it a bit of spit polish and yeah, because you keep it for ages and, and even like sort of hand it down. And <laughs> There's like um, two th- about 2,000 moving parts in a regular, well, I shouldn't say regular, uh, combustion engine car and a combustion engine car. A fossil car. car. Yes. Let's call them fossil yeah, cars. Yeah, I like that. It's like, oh, was there an insinuation there? I hadn't noticed. Um, yeah, about tw- two thousand moving parts with EVs, about twenty. And I wonder if that's comparable with bikes. Maybe there's about twenty moving parts yeah, in a bike. Prob- you know, like right, that. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I hadn't thought of it like that. It's so simple. Um, new batteries are lighter, which means they've got more range. They discharge faster, which means they've got more speed, which they don't need. They're all, all the fastest cars in the world are already EVs. But anyway, they're going to do more of that. They're charging faster. They're cheaper, which is really significant because... The, the, sorry, you did just kind of gloss over it a little bit, but the charging faster, I imagine, would be really significant as well because these things have got to fit into people's lifestyles. Yes. And at the moment, we're used to going to the petrol pump and filling a, a gas tank up for, you know, four minutes yeah. and then paying and then leaving. Yeah. And one of the things that I think has helped people back is this perception that you're going to um, run your battery out when you're in the middle of something and then be stuck somewhere for, you yeah. know, an hour yeah. while you get just a bit of charge to, to yeah. drive off. But it's not the case now. Well, this is technology that's coming, yeah, so yeah. not the case soon. Um yeah, so they they think that currently about thirty percent of the price of an EV is actually the price of the battery, and they just they're struggling to get well they have been struggling to get that down, which mm. is why I think that's another thing why we've had slower uptake is because there's still a I mean you can get the calculators out and there's some great stuff online where you can look at over the life cycle of the car when you you know you're paying obviously a lot less for the fuel, um, how it can work out to be comparable, but up front. There's this uncomfortable yeah, extra totally, money totally. that you've got to spend. So, and that's basically they're saying that that's part of that's that company's trying to get a bit of something back for the R and D. But, but, all, but basically, the, there's just a pretty, just the cost is high because yeah, these are high tech components. Yeah, with the with the with the actual cost of those battery mm. components. So, um, with that new technology making the actual components cheaper or changing what those components are so that they are cheaper, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also some really crazy hopeful things too, like things I'd never heard of that Theo was telling me all about, like flow batteries made from organic materials. Hemp apparently is a superconductor. Um and these are things Always you don't need to mine. To I know. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think uh we'll just put that one to bed, the the batteries. Uh, they're actually sure there's there's some issues there, but Let's be fair, we're not pulling, I haven't and I won't in this episode, pull apart the comparable issues with the fossil cars. Mm. You know, that to, to, to extract the oil and, and refine that to keep those cars going is, um, you know, that's got its Huge issues. Huge environmental Yeah, impact. obviously it has its issues as well. Yeah. Um, so for now, if you have a battery that might need some support, I have found some tips for you to Great. keep to keep that battery going as long as it can you know when thinking about the the children mining and thinking oh I'd like to minimize that harm as much as I can here's ways you can keep your battery going uh, you can minimize the exposure to high and low temperatures so that's things like parking in the shade uh, you can avoid leaving your car at extreme states of charge for long periods of time. So it's either totally full or totally empty. That's it, Tim. I know a little bit about this because I've looked extensively into how to 
um, because I actually do this with laptops and cell phones to try and get the most life out of it because I am what would be called in the tech community a power user. (laughs) So I just like thrash the heck out of my technology. I'm just like always on a laptop, always on a phone. And with some laptops from some manufacturers and increasingly now it's it's still kind of rare but but more as it goes along with cell phones you can set the maximum charge level so you can set it to like 80 percent or 60 percent because if you've got a battery that's say plugged into the wall and your phone or your laptop and it's at 100 percent and it's plugged into the wall for a long time it degrades the battery a lot quicker and it's the same if it's at or near zero percent, like anything hmm. under about five percent. Oh, there you if go. If it's sitting at that charge level for a long time, it degrades the. Oh, that's really interesting. So I had no so idea. This, I assume yeah, totally it's the exactly same. Exactly the same. Because actually, I don't know if all batteries are like that, but they are the same batteries. It's aren't they? lithium, lithium ion, ion. Yeah. 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 Um, and what else do they have here? Um, if you do not use your EV regularly, avoid fast charging. That's I don't know why any of these things are true, but um, those are tips from Kia. Yeah, fa- I mean, fast charging is far, and I'm relating this more to like cell phones, but I reckon it's probably about the same. There's there's kind of different ways that companies can do it, and it used to be quite harmful for batteries, but they're figuring oh, out ways to make okay. it a lot better. Yeah. So. One nifty trick that I know they figured out recently with cell phones is that if you can take the battery and split it into two halves of a battery, you can do fast charging way easier. Because if if you've got a fast charging cell phone and you plug it into the wall, you'll see it go from zero to 80 really quick. And then it starts trickling mm, off the mm, speed. Mm. Um, so it's about getting like to that sort of three quarter mark. It'll do really quickly, but then it actually does sort of burn out the battery if you you shouldn't, yeah, you yeah. shouldn't over overjuice it when you're you're nearing the top off point. Oh, that's interesting. So it's probably the same with cars as I, well. Yeah, that they're doing yeah, these yeah. techniques yeah. to like fast charging isn't. Yeah, I don't know for sure with cars, but it it, it used to be a lot more harmful for the life of the battery right. than it is now. Yeah. They're getting better at that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think as range improves, there'll be less need to fast charge. Yeah, true um, that. Because yeah. every, of course, you'd rather have it charging on your own power at night. Um, it's cheaper and no inconvenience to you. Yeah, you know, this is one thing that I've never heard anyone talk about, which I just like. It's, it's just a common sense thing with batteries. If you buy a bigger battery, the life of it will be longer because you because the thing that degrades a battery is the number of charge cycles you do. Oh. So if you have like a bigger capacity battery, so say for example here like more mileage, you're you're literally plugging it in less times at the wall. Yes, and that is the thing that lessens its life. It is the also the time. thing that makes you pay more. Yeah. Because, of course, everyone would run off and get the, the longest battery they can. But, yeah, but these million-mile batteries that are coming, they've, they've basically worked out a – I think I'm getting this right. Um, they will shoot me. A a way of – because it's, it's sort of the crystallization in a battery that eventually degrades it. And that, I think, comes from getting getting too hot when all the electrons are running through. And they've so they've worked out a way to cool it, which really almost almost makes it just last forever. Awesome, yeah, nifty, nifty. <laughs> that is nifty. So, oh, and this was really interesting too. I had heard about the and this is Theo was really rolling his eyes um, about the end of life disposal being an issue. Yeah. He shouldn't roll his eyes at that. That's well, actually, to be honest, concern. I was speaking to him on the phone, so I must have made that up. <laughs> you could hear it yes. in the response. So, what did Theo say? He How did said, he allay your concerns <laughs> in a reassuring way? That, um, well, interestingly, this was actually really interested me that we're not even there yet. Like they're lasting so much longer that we're not actually recycling them at scale yet because they're just in their infancy. And um, but if you're a consumer, you've bought. Say you're an early adopter to EVs. Yep, you're ready to. You're ready to do it. Like, what do you do? Well, um, I'm afraid I don't have a big answer for the whole world, but I know if you're in Auckland, you can drop your battery for free to Ecomatters. That's good. That is good, West Auckland. So, the, um, I don't know if you encountered this or not, but like, do the manufacturers of the cars not have? Well, are these, okay, this is a couple of things. Um, it's 
Firstly, there's 30,000 cells in a battery, give or take, and they can actually be individually replaced Whoa. by the manufacturer or the car dealer. I did not know that. Me neither. That's amazing. And um, the other thing is that we're, we're, we're getting another 10 years out of them after their post-car life um, by putting them into like battery banks um, cool. in, in homes or batches or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. people are actually finding them really useful for that. Um, and then... Apparently, uh, lithium recyclers can strip out about 95% of the raw materials to make a new battery. That is amazing. 95%. So I know from my experience in the recycling industry, and I don't mean to pour cold water on this because I literally don't know what the um, the commercials are for this sector. I have no idea. But um, just because you can doesn't mean that it's viable and doesn't mean that it will happen. Sure. So there is, there's, that's something that we need to take so, account of. But By but, that, do you kind of mean like just because it's physically possible doesn't mean it's it's yeah, like you get it all, you, you get it all the, all the time with plastics, where manufacturers will say this is recyclable, and they're technically right. Like yeah. if someone wanted to spend thousands of their own dollars to recycle this thing, that's not going to really be good for anything. But it's like, yes, sure, you've 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 done something with it. Gotcha. Good for but you. You've made a you know ten thousand dollar plastic brick or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, exactly. Not commercially viable. But please, that I I shouldn't even be bringing this up because I don't. No. Well, it's a, but sorry, I did I railroaded you a little bit, but it feels like your point at the start is the one to pay attention to, which is that the utility of these batteries, combined with how how kind of new this technology is, means we're not even really encountering this issue quite that's, yet. That's right. Thank you, Tim. And I do mean to be overall positive, of course. Um, the, these are just regular recycling issues across any mm. commodity, and whatever we do with anything is going to require commodities. And it doesn't seem to me that these things are particularly worse than anything else. The f- and also the fact that this one recycler I know of who's taking them for free says something because most of the other things that they're taking you have to pay for. Yeah. So that will say that. something about the fact that, yeah, the people are actually wanting to take this thing and it's viable commercially mm-hmm. for them to do something with. Right. Um, so is an EV right for you, Tim? This is a good question. That's a good question. You're carless, aren't you? Uh, myself, yeah. Yeah, you've got the old caveat of your partner having a car. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so we talked about the high price for a comparable car. And in New Zealand, it's particularly emphasised because we really rely on the Japanese second-hand um, car market. And Toyota's one of the only car manufacturers that haven't jumped into this yet. Into what? Into an EV. They've got their hybrids. They've got they the don't Prius. have a full EV yet. No. Wow. It's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it hasn't been worth their while yet. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Um, anyway, um, so that's where we're at in New Zealand. But we are approaching price parity. And um, then the other thing to do with price is that there's lower running costs, um, like out of the ballpark running, uh, lower running costs. So... One user I spoke with uh, has worked out that it's about 30 cents a litre uh, for him to charge at night. 30 cents a litre. Oh, you know, like, like the equivalent, equivalent. I mean, yeah. equivalent, yeah. Versus, what is it at the moment at the pump? Oh, no two dollars. Yeah, we're way over two, or? aren't we? No, isn't it? Oh, God. Well, obviously, I don't know. <gasps> Neither of us fill up the, the cars. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, listeners will know. <laughs> and that's now become timeless because it's just... Whenever you're listening to this particular episode, you'll be able to sub in <laughs> the you price. Go. The model. present yes. price. So um, also EV users don't currently pay road user charges because they come through the fuel tax. Mm, true. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting loophole there. Yeah. You can exploit for now. Yep, for now. And then um, maintenance is obviously a huge one. We talked before about these 2,000 moving parts that need to be serviced and it's – you know, it's going to be putting people out of jobs. Um, there's just not going to need to be that whole industry around supporting cars to run uh, to the same degree. Um, so, the, <laughs> removing it's interesting how you say that because that the whole um, is going to take jobs away. I think that has often been used as a smokescreen for it. this process is getting so good it doesn't require human intervention to the level <laughs> it did earlier. True. So, all up. I think price-wise, we're, we're certainly getting there. And if you are happy to get the calculator out, um, then you could f- you could be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, 
EVS.NZ has got a good calculator. I'll, that's in the show notes. Um, so yeah. just, it, it does sound like there's that it's that big initial cost, and everything after that is just a bed of roses. Win, but it's win. this big one-off at the start, which I think the government is talking about in New Zealand, um, introducing a subsidy for at the moment. The Greens are really trying to push for that. I think they yes, I think they're pushing for yeah. it. Yeah, but I think there's been general disappointment from the sector that the government so far hasn't actually really facilitated anything uh, or, or got any goals. Or I mean, there's anyway. They're, they, they're, they've they they've got some goals for their own fleet um, to mm. be entirely electric by I think within five years. But like in an earlier episode, I covered how Los Angeles cleaned up their air pollution problem, um, which they didn't even know was happening initially from cars. Like they did all this research and then discovered the incredible right. detrimental yeah. effect that the exhaust was having on the on the city as a whole. That was in a good news episode, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And then they brought in um, quite generous state subsidies for EVs. And now there's just there's like so many electric vehicles on the road over there. When I'm there, it's crazy. It's just like... Seems every third or fourth car is a Chevy Volt or a yeah. Tesla or a, yeah. yeah. So it's, anyway, it's awesome that could, to see. could be. So like these things do work when you introduce those yes, subsidies. Yes. You know, people pay attention. That's they right. buy them. Yep, that's mm. right. People are motivated by price. So the the other thing I think that could be uh, a pro or a con uh, in terms of if you're personally thinking about buying an EV to to replace your next uh, fossil purchase. Um, is the just the the current technology and infrastructure that's in in your price range? So you've got the range anxiety thing, um, which EV owners tell me quickly dissipates yeah. once they've actually jumped in, and I could see how that could happen yeah. too. Like we don't actually drive as far as we think we do on any given day, yeah. um, and then you've got the rapid charging station network. And again, anxiety around, well... What if I get caught short? Yeah, what if you have to wait for an hour or whatever? And I think there is a bit of a mixed user experience, but on the whole, actually super positive. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a network that's growing really quickly. Um, safety, from what I could see, is just a mixed bag, like it would be with any sector. Um, and that, you know, a lot of these things depend on the amount of money you're happy to um, throw at it. Um, and I I just wanted to – this is going to be in the show notes, but um, there are quite a few good resources out there. Our friends at Ecotricity have got a buyer's guide, um, which is cool. It's just super simple. You put it – it's like make, model, um, the range, and the price. It's like, Great. yeah, that's what you need to see. Yeah. Um, leading the charge buyer's guide is also uh, great. Uh, they've got a list of what's actually available in New Zealand uh, in terms of um, the numbers of them that are already here, which is quite good if you're looking at that secondhand um, market. Um, and then, of course, we've already mentioned uh, the New Zealand EV podcast with Theo Gibson and Dee West. Um, you can check them out on Facebook as well. And then... Um, on the, between the 6th and 8th of May, 2021, so what are we talking, a couple of months, um, there will be an e-world expo at the Trust Arena in Auckland, which is like the place to get like all of the information you might be wanting to gather. Um, and flipthefleet.org is an interesting one. They are all about increasing the uptake of EV owners in New Zealand by getting current EV owners to plug in their actual user data so that everybody, we can get some really good statistics and oh, see. Oh, wow, that's yeah. cool. I thought that was quite cool too. Um, and then, um, I can't remember how I came across her, but um, Robin Parkinson is one was one of New Zealand's only EV saleswoman and cool as. She's actually, um, I spoke with her and she's really kindly allowed me to share her um, EV buyers seminar PowerPoint with us, with our listeners. It's just a Google Drive doc Um the links in the show notes and um, she said when I asked her about information she said actually I think the best place to go are the uh, Facebook groups yeah because then you're actually getting tailored information like and um, it's all the questions that you sort of want to answer yeah people living similar lives yeah yeah exactly it's not from the perspective of the company yeah trying to anticipate what you're going to want to know it's like actual people going hey 
have people like do you typically get caught short before a charging station? Exactly, exactly. So there's like um for example, these regional ones like the Wellington E V owners Facebook group. So that's where you can have a bitch about your local charge station <laughs> queues or whatever. Yeah. Um and, then and probably like band together to get more put yeah, up. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. And then um you've got your uh, Facebook groups by car model and make or whatever as well. So I thought that was a cool suggestion. Um but then the, I guess the, the the other thing is, at the end of the day, it's really your emotional response, which is something we talk about a bit, eh? It really boils down to um, how you feel about things, unfortunately. Um, and I, I think the choice is expanding. Everyone's getting into it. The acceleration is something that all EV owners I spoke with talk about. Literal acceleration of the literal, vehicle. Literal, literal. Um, yeah. You don't have to wait for the liquid to build pressure, so it's just instant acceleration. The power curve's totally different, apparently. Like, just really fun to drive. All the fastest cars in the world are electric. So, And it's smooth and quiet. Um, so people who have EVs typically just are fans. You know, they love the driving experience, and apparently people don't typically ever go back, which is interesting because we'll jump around like – different sort of makes of cars or different sort of you might get a bigger or smaller or something but it feels like this is a step change and once you've sort of jumped in that's you you're like why would you go back because they're better by the sounds of it they're just better than the old product yeah exactly so all that really remains I think we've we've hit it out of the ballpark really I think they are what they're cranked or slash cracked up to be I think you might be right it's not important. No, but anyway. It's not critical. Yes, but when you've got to say the sentence, <laughs> you've got to choose which way. So I – the and this for me is always what it comes down to actually is, is can – does it? but just because it's better because that's what really we've just been – we've talked about. Like, yes, it's like way, way, way better and – Yes, probably in terms of meeting your needs and what you might like or want, it's probably also going to tick those boxes. But does that therefore mean, just because it's better, that you can drive guilt-free? I'm going to assume no. Do you remember back to the first episode of this season, which was our Why Are We Here, where we looked at how we're over the carrying capacity of the planet, like 7 billion of yeah, us. Yeah, that's right. It isn't balanced. It's, kind of, it's actually kind of plague proportions. That's kind of really what we're dealing with in terms of our impact. Kind of anything we do, it's like, oh, there's a new field. Let's go eat that one. And it's like, it's gone. Yeah. So plague proportions. So unfortunately, anything we do on scale, uh, like I said, unless we're sort of doing it intentionally with regenerative techniques, is going to be just digging our hole deeper. Um, like the, the palm oil thing that we talked about, how which is just an example, if we switch away from palm oil and all jump into, say, coconut oil, because that doesn't have the problems, the only reason it doesn't have the problems is because it's not at scale. Yeah. So we are heading into an EV future. Petrol prices are going up. They'll continue to go up. Um, slowly we'll see more EVs on the road, which will bring the sale price down, which will make them cheaper. So you're not going to need a calculator to work out if it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Everyone's jumping in. Manufacturers are already jumping ship, aren't they? That's like That says a lot because yeah. cars They see the and, writing on the wall. That's right. Cars and oil have been together for a very, very long time. So, um, yeah, I, of course we could actually be transitioning away from personal cars. If you, you know, take a step out again, um, we don't really know what that, uh, future that could overall bring the environmental footprint down, but but anyway, we are heading towards this on scale shift to EVs. And to give you some idea uh, of what that could mean, if UK was a hundred percent EV by twenty fifty, they would need anything from between six and fifty. That's a big range, but even if you just say six new nuclear power stations. Just to fuel to facilitate the, all yeah. the demand. I yeah, I I get that because I guess inside your car is its own um, self-contained reactor at very small scale, which you're pouring raw fuel in, which is petrol. Whereas a electric vehicle doesn't have that; they're just holding the charge of energy that's been created at a generator somewhere. 
Um, but I, th- I like, I hear what you're saying with this stuff, but I'm going to push back on it a little bit because it's like the New Zealand energy profile, right? I think as people are getting more towards renewable energy generation, it gets in and it becomes an increasingly rosy picture. Yes, absolutely. And I'm not, it's interesting that you would say that because that's not what I'm saying. Like we, the new technology and the, what we're capable of and what we're walking towards is positive. But I'm talking about um, the pace at which we're moving. And also the big thing is um, our habit, unfortunately, of of overall we're consuming more, like we're extracting more, um, like say at, at least three times more than what we were in 1970, which was the last year that we were in the carrying capacity of the planet. So we are just way overshooting where we need to go. And um, if we think, this is my only criticism really of an EV, and it's not a criticism of an EV at all. It's actually a criticism of our own psyche. Um, myself included, when we when we have a um, an advantage, when technology delivers us something where we can have our our energy cheaper, we are not capitalising on that and bringing our footprint down. Mm. We are, we have a we have a personal budget for energy, um, which uh, you know money basically. Yeah. Um, and so if I can get my transport costs, say, at a third of the price, I will use that spare money I've got and I'll spend it on some other form of energy or consumer good. And so uh, typically our economies are, well, they are growing and extraction's growing and um, the gains that we make, well, you know, I've said it before, it's my pet example, is how we are now able to produce lighting with the LED technology so much more efficiently. But what do we do? We light the Harbour Bridge with it. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, cool. Like, I love it. Uh, and, you know, kids have got the little lights that go on their shoes and things. And that's the headspace that we're in. That's what we're doing. And with the EV technology coming on, we're running around putting EVs in everything, on skateboards and just, just we're having so much fun with it. And we haven't, we ha- we're just really failing to understand this precipice that we're standing on. Um, Dr. Mike Joy is awesome at bringing us all down to, <laughs> to understanding. Uh, to reality. <laughs> So, yes, bringing us back to reality. And he had a great Facebook post last year, which I saved at the time, and I'm just going to read a little bit from it. Every time I mention the impossibility of electric vehicles as a sustainable solution, there's always a strong response fighting it. So here is another attempt uh, to explain, and I repeat, I am not anti-EVs. I'm just trying to point out that cars, at least as we know them, cannot be part of our future. Um, remember, it's not just carbon or just metals or just rare metals or just plastic or just waste. It's all of these things combined and a lot more, uh, like even building and maintaining roads. Um, so he says, if you think about it, if your solution to anything involves building a whole new lot of things, then it's not a solution. Um, and he lists a few limitations. He talks about um, how the extraction overall is growing and how we actually have to use a lot more energy now to extract the same amount of material than we're used to because we've already used all the easy stuff. Um, one car, every one car produces 29 tonnes of waste. And... Damn, it's a lot. Yeah, I know. I don't even... It would be nice to see that visually, eh? It's so easy to say without mm. understanding it. And it's typically... In my head, 29 Porsches. Okay, thanks, Tim. That's good. Something. Um, yeah, make one Porsche, throw 29 away. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so the total number of cars on the road is set to double by 2040. Is and that a New Zealand statistic? No, no, that's, that's a global. Oh, that's, yeah. Oh, boy. So, yeah, there's. You know, Dr. Mike Joy really didn't live up to his name, did he? Dr. Mike Killjoy. Yeah be more appropriate but he's right what he's saying and it actually resonates with a thing that has stuck with me the whole time when we had Di Henwood on the show way back very early in season one yeah 
where he said the thing, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he, he was talking about the thing that people get wrong about sustainability and getting into this headspace is that you like run out and buy a whole bunch of new stuff to yes. be sustainable. Yeah, yeah. It's like that is not the mindset that we need to be adopting to actually get like real gains on this, mm. on this stuff. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that's right. If one is in a position where one needs to purchase a brand new vehicle, then mm. it, it, choosing an EV is going to be um, way better than a traditional combustion engine car. But yeah, I, it's, it's an interesting thing to balance that against like getting the existing things we have right now and sort of <laughs> extending their life as much as possible because we took all this resource to build the thing. So let's really wring out every ounce of use we can before we start looking to the next Absolutely, thing. Absolutely, yeah. We basically need EVs while we're transitioning to changing our lives. Yeah. Um, it's something our generation doesn't really understand yet, what change is needed on what scale. Um, but, yeah, we need to be walking, running, carpooling. Bikes. Yeah, public transport, zooming, you know, buying bulk so you're not traveling so much, growing your own, change your life. Try the bus, people. It's not as bad as everyone says. I take the bus everywhere. The loser cruiser. This is, that, that exact <laughs> stupid bullying is exactly the problem, Wave. Well, now, the bus is great because – so I jump on the bus. I'll have, like, noise-canceling headphones on, and I'll fire out a bunch of emails while I'm traveling to a meeting. Don't you think this whole idea of driving, whether we're moving into driverless cars or public transport or whatever, mm-hmm. is just actually getting – we're going to look back on this and go, what a waste of time. Absolutely. When you've got your hands yeah, and your course. eyes free to do whatever you actually want yeah. when you're moving rather than having to hold on to this circle. 100%. Yeah. Imagine being in like a driverless car and you're just video calling your friends and family while you're traveling somewhere. That'd be awesome. Mm. Instead of having to fo- just boringly focus on the road ahead of you. Yeah, man. Totally. No, EVs are totally the way to go. And I can't state that strongly enough. They're 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 the only way we can burn EVs, less fossil great. fuel. Buses also great. <laughs> Even better. Even better. So we're going in the right direction with the transport stuff. But I think that is a, a, a very salient uh reminder that mm. this is like what is required is a mindset shift. Yes. And to like use the stuff that we've got here first. Yeah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, happy days. Happy days. Thank you so much for doing the research, Wave. Hey, pleasure as that always. It was awesome. And I worked just to um, mention as well, like my big takeaway from this is what a big difference it makes being in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, getting an EV that being so much better for the environment. Good old COVID-free New Zealand. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your mates, particularly anyone who may be uh, interested in looking for a new car at the moment. Or, like, you get secondhand EVs. We keep saying this, like, you've got to buy a brand new vehicle. You can get secondhand EVs everywhere now. Um, and join us on the Facebook, facebook.com slash how to save the world, or on Instagram at HTSTWPod. It's the, you get it, it's the letters. Yeah.